my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode 13 of season two of the Running Technique Tips podcast, the season where we're talking all things 5K training and racing. Now joined by my co-host as usual from Sydney, Lisa Biffin. How are you going, Lisa? I'm good, Brian, and I want to wish you a happy International Women's Day. Oh, thank you very much. I figure that perhaps I should have wished that to you, given you're the representative of the the fairer sex on this podcast. Ah, uh, this is true. Well, yes, it is International Women's Day today, so we'll be, of course, we always celebrate women and women's running, and I'm actually going to a luncheon today uh, to celebrate it, so... Um, Excellent. Yeah, no, it should be good, but apart from, from my exciting lunch today, I'm actually a bit frustrated about my running in general so okay. I've I think I'm just going to cool off a little bit whilst you debrief on uh, <laughs> on your week I don't want to start off with a negative tone on such okay. a positive day fair enough guessing there's still a few little frustrations around your various tests and things but yeah we'll, we'll get to that as, uh, as we mentioned so a bit of a challenge for you maybe since it is International Women's Day for our next podcast, maybe Lisa gets to drive on into town with a specific women's running related issue. Yeah. That might be nice. I think that would be great, actually. I'll uh, Let me put my thinking caps on and mm. if there's any of our listeners, both male or female, that if there's anything specific that they would like to hear about, uh, drop us a line. Otherwise, I'll, um, I'll have a think about some things that I know that are quite relevant. Sounds good. But so tell, tell us about you. Let's start with you this week because I'm, uh, my, my blood's boiling with some of the <laughs> events of the last seven days. So I know that last week that we left and we were trying to hypothesise a tempo session for you. That's right. So Did it we... actually happen? It did happen, yeah. Oh. So la- last time we spoke, we were talking all things cruise threshold intervals and we did kick around a few ideas for the kind of session that I was going to do on Saturday. So before we get into that, I just yeah mention I've, I I did intend to kind of rank, crank up my mileage a little bit last week and I did manage to do that. So I got up to about 47 kilometers for last week, which is good. So probably on track this week to maybe run close to either the same or about 50 kilometers. So that'll be good to get a couple of close to 50k weeks under my belt before we go to the track next week for our uh, for a 5k track race at Melbourne University. Hey, is it still run walking or are you now running consecutively? It's mostly unbroken running with the exception of the long runs. And also within sessions, so kind of, yeah, within some of the sessions, I've been doing some walking blocks to recover um, in between either either threshold efforts or, or rep placed efforts. So, but other than that, yeah, when I'm getting out for my kind of standard easy aerobic conditioning kind of runs, I'm trying to do those as unbroken runs and generally being able to do that. And I did probably get back from one of my better ones of that this morning. And what did I do? I'm almost 50 minutes of unbroken running. So yeah, a bit of fitness is starting, starting to come, but yeah, definitely keeping the walking breaks, um, especially in those longer runs because I'm, yeah, I'm not really fit enough to be going out and doing a somewhere between a, a 90 minute and a two hour long run unbroken. But then in the last few days, I did go out and do two hours on my feet, but there was probably how many walking breaks would have there been in that? I don't know, maybe maybe half a dozen or eight walking breaks. Mm-hmm. And some of them were sort of even, you know, three or four minutes of walking just to kind of gather myself and feel like I was ready to go again. So just using the walking breaks strategically 
to allow me to sneak in a bit more time on legs mm. for those for those later marathons and um, just using that as a, a strategy for recovery as well in in some of the some of the sessions that I've been doing. Hey, I've got a question on that actually. Mm-hmm. It just made me think about so my Sunday run, I did. Uh, 18 kilometers in mm-hmm. total I was out there for an hour 40 so it's just over five minute 30k pace but I actually I probably had about six to eight stops as well but I always sort of stop my watch and when I say stops like I, I would stop my watch I would get a drink have a little bit of a stretch and then yeah. keep going again would you keep your watch going and sort of classify that as still time yep. on legs or yep. would you do what I do and stop the watch? No, I keep my watch going and if I'm interested in how much walking volume I'm doing, I just hit the split button and, yeah, take a split for the walking break and then hit the split button again once I start running again. But for me, I think that purpose is time on legs and you'll also notice when you're in those walking breaks that you, you know, you're spending a fair bit of time still in that kind of aerobic heart rate, especially if you've been up to around your aerobic limit or if you've snuck a little bit over it in that first part of the walking break, maybe for the first 30 seconds or so, you, you're still in that kind of aerobic training zone. So yeah, it's kind of good to capture that total mm. volume of time in those training zones. I think that's useful information to have. Yeah, it's Not probably a good idea actually, because I think I would have been out there for at least an hour 50. I mean, I could go back and check it from start of day that I, ta- that I started, time of day that I started, sorry, yeah. and when I finished. So yeah, I think sometimes we forget about that, don't we, that we may have yeah. recorded X time, but in actual fact, it has been quite a bit longer with time. That's right. And m- most runners like to hit pause or stop so that they can make their uh, Strava <laughs> Strava um, data look very impressive. But you, you probably notice upon closer inspection that there's massive drops off in heart rate if they're posting that kind of information if you stop your watch and then start it again. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think just keep your watch going. Mm. Okay. All right. Good piece of advice. Wow. Well, don't know if it's advice, but that's what I do. You can do whatever they like, really. <laughs> Okay, so we promised to have a bit of a debrief on my threshold session, which I did on last Saturday. And yeah, I was out there for about an hour, covered a little over nine kilometers. We, I think we'd kind of said that, you know, I might do a mile, then three 800s and a couple of 400s as my session. So the way the session actually went down was I did a 2K warm up and then I did a couple of sets of drills. So I did some high A skips. So really trying to be quite explosive on that. So almost little mini plyometric kind of exercise, just one set of those. And I just just did one set of those kind of butt kicks that we mentioned a couple of times as well. And then I just got straight into it. And as mentioned, the loop that I do out at the Dalesford High Performance Center is quite undulating Mm. and the surface is, it's gravel, but not a really smooth, it's not that kind of manicured gravel that you get around Lake Wendery or the Tan or probably in the big parks in Sydney and other capital cities. It's it's pretty pretty kind of gritty and there's rocks everywhere and that kind of stuff. So it's an, it's an uneven surface. So the plan was to basically do it to heart rate and by time and not worry too much, much about my theoretical threshold pace, which Daniels puts it about. 424-ish per kilometre and instead do it by heart rate. So I started out with like a 1600 metre segment, which was predominantly uphill for the first 800 metres and then slightly downhill for the next 800 metres, but into a headwind for the second 800 metres. So that was a good good bit of variety. Mm. And, I, and I got through that first uh, segment 
really well. So we have, yeah, that, that 1600 metre segment took me about seven minutes and 13 seconds. And my watch pegged that at about 425 kilometre pace, which is That's probably bang more on. like, it's probably, I, I think my watch is a little bit inaccurate and I adjust it accordingly. It's probably closer to 529 I would say but anyway it's in the ballpark of the sort of Daniel's pace I'd say actually in actuality it was a little bit slower and I had an average heart rate of 150 and I controlled my heart rate really well through that segment and I think it only just went over you know I was talking about trying to keep it under 160 so I I stayed away from the VO2 max zone Mm. I think it actually only went over that once I'd actually stopped and was recovering which was a bit weird but that's um, really odd your your heart's doing what mine does (laughs) yeah yeah and it didn't go over by much it was quite quite a minor amount so I was really actually quite happy with that first 1600 rep and I was so happy with it that and and I recovered quite quickly because yeah we were talking about the recovery segments and I thought it might be sort of like 50% of the time of the rep but my heart rate was just dropping so nicely and rapidly that I actually ended up setting off for my second rep after about two and a half minutes which in hindsight possibly was actually an error and because the first rep went so well I thought hey I won't do an 800 for the next one I'll actually just do another 1600 I'll just turn a, turn around and retrace my steps over the same segment. And that was going really well until, well, yeah, and as mentioned, it was net because I was reversing, I was now the first 800 metres was slightly uphill, but with a slight benefit of a tailwind. And my heart rate did start to sort of climb a little bit close towards 160, about probably 700 metres into that. So I just eased back a fraction because I knew that the first part of the next 800 metre segment had this little rise in it. So I backed it off a little bit, got around to the rise and I thought, yeah, I'm going to be able to get over this without getting over 160 heart rate, but I couldn't do it. So um, in the end, that actually did spike my heart rate probably up to about 165. And as soon as I saw that, I really backed off the gas quite a bit and tried to, in my mind, I was thinking I should probably just stop and make that rep, you know, 900 meters. But get that runner's mentality. I was like, no, I, I was going to do the 1600, so I'm going to finish it. But I did really back off and try and lower my heart rate. And it, probably interesting that it was, it took a while to get it back down under 160. So it's one of those things, once you go over your threshold, it's actually quite hard to recover your heart rate, which is probably symptomatic of those races where once you start redlining, it's pretty hard to recover from there so there's only kind of one direction that you you're going to be heading once you really get over your threshold like you can run over your threshold for a period of time and eventually you're going to have to slow down rapidly because your heart rate's going to be constantly climbing you so, got a bit greedy in there brian i think didn't you? yeah i probably deserve a bit of a smack for that one given <laughs> i was telling everyone don't go into your vo2 zone but in well not even in, I'm not even going to try and defend it because I, I shouldn't have done it but it wasn't a major disaster because I think in total for the entire session I only spent about two and a half minutes above threshold out of almost an hour and some of that would have been after the reps were completed in recovery hey, so can I just, it wasn't, um... and, and I probably maxed out at 165 which is about the upper end you know how we're talking about Daniel's having a little range for threshold and I was taking the bottom end yeah well I was just about to to recap on that for if anyone didn't listen last week and didn't quite understand what the threshold figures that you were working to actually meant 
Um, and so it's about, well, it is, it's 88 to 92% of your max yep. heart rate. Correct. And for you, what are those figures again? My max heart rate is, it's probably slightly more than 181, but I have a recent maximal effort in that 3K time trial a month or so back where I did get up to 181, which is slightly higher than my predicted 220 minus your age formula, mm. about five beats higher actually. <laughs> so yeah, I'm using that as my baseline and I was choosing kind of like the low end, the 88% as being the threshold number just to be a little bit more conservative. And I suppose the one benefit of doing that is if you did do slip up and go a bit above that, I don't think I actually got above 92%, even though I went over my 88% goal. So not a major disaster. And so I just Actually, no, I didn't really. I sort of went back to the plan for the session after the second 1600 metres. I took a slightly longer recovery after that second effort, which took the second effort actually took seven minutes 30 as opposed to seven minutes 13. So it did take a bit longer mm. and averaged about probably 4.35 or actually no, it's probably more like 4.38 kilometre pace for the second rep and heart rate average was 155 for that one. And then I actually took a three minute so recovery before I did my next rep, which was an 800. That rep was on a predominantly downhill stretch. So I was able to do that at 149 average heart rate at 420, probably about 425 kilometer pace. I then actually took, just because I felt like I needed it, I took, <laughs> took three minutes recovery after that rep. And then I did a 500 or almost 500 in about two minutes and five and that was again as sort of about that sort of 428 kilometer pace mm. and took a two minute rest after that one and then did another 500 back up the hill and that one was that was actually slightly faster so that was probably at about 423 kilometer pace and average heart rate for those those two 500s was like 144 146 so I didn't sort of get myself into trouble again by delving over my threshold in those shorter reps the 800 the 500 and the 500 so so that was good it actually gave me the 5000 meters of threshold work that I was looking for and look I felt really good at the end of it I didn't feel like I'd kind of overcook things too much reflections during the session were that it was you know we're talking about comfortably hard yeah. it did did kind of feel in that comfortably hard zone but I was able to maintain that three three breathing pattern so breathe in take three steps breathe out take three steps for all of it bar the bit where my heart rate spiked and I reckon I had to drop into to two two to recover that. So for me, I've, I think I've, I'm sort of tapping into this nice thing where I can use my breathing rate as a measure of probably both my aerobic threshold and also my anaerobic threshold. So I find that 4-4 four, four breathing is about where my heart rate goes over my aerobic threshold and 3-3 three, three is about the, the the effort level where I would go above my anaerobic threshold. So it means I don't have to look at my heart rate as much, which is nice. <laughs> um, just a quick question around the mm. recoveries between yep. the tempo efforts. Did you walk them, jog them, or were you stationary? They actually were mostly stationary and with a little bit of walking. So because I was kind of using those measured segments that I knew roughly how long they were, um, it was just easy to kind of stop, recover, walk around a bit and then um, then head back into it. Okay. You, you could do jogging recoveries if you wanted to, but, yeah, I just elected to do relatively stationary ones with a little bit of walking around. And I just waited until my heart rate had sort of got down to about 100 beats 
before I set off again. And then I felt like I was, you know, pretty well recovered to um, do the next trip with good form. And you know how you did that second 1600? Yeah. Uh, in hindsight, would you maybe do that at the end or uh, maybe not do two of that distance? I think in hindsight, what I would have done was take some more rest after the first 1600. And I think if I'd done that, I probably would have got through the second one without spiking the heart rate. It was, I was pretty close to getting through that second one without the heart rate dipping over the top. So I wasn't too far off judging it well. I think I I probably paid the price for only having two and a half minutes recovery after doing a, a seven minute rep beforehand. I think if I'd taken three and a half minutes or something like that, I've probably would have got through the second one without dipping my heart rate over the the um the 160 barrier but i don't think i would put it at the end because i think i would be this level of fitness that i am at the moment it's probably better to go long down to shorter reps just yeah i, I think i think if it was at the end of i don't think i would have been able to do 1600 or anywhere near it without my heart rate getting over 160 so there was a bit of a method in the madness of having that sort of descending distance in in the threshold reps mm. and how often would you do one of these sessions like in a typical i don't know say 12-week training program well the kind of the the daniel's 5k to 15k program has those has a block of six weeks after a six-week conditioning period where those kind of threshold intervals are included as almost like the the main part of the program along with um, mile pace reps so you could do a block of six weeks of them if you like but probably by and large a lot of people would sort of continue with some sort of threshold work through most of their their training block so you might even include it throughout throughout an entire 16 week block in terms of my dodgy intuitive approach that i'm following at the moment I would be doing a threshold roughly every nine to 10 days because that's the, the cycle that I'm now trying to work on. So rather than doing doing one of them once a week, probably comes around about every nine days or so. And, and I had to, that'll actually be slightly different this week because I had to modify my training program because I was attending a few job interviews. So, um, oh, no, Brian's, yeah. Brian's returning to the real world. Yeah, I know, I know. This little <laughs> break couldn't go on forever. So that kind of threw the week out a bit. I had to yeah change my schedule around a bit, which, which you know, when you're a control freak kind of runner, it's really annoying when you have to change your schedule, even if you've got a fairly forgiving loose one like I'm working to at the moment. Oh, dear. So I had to drop my rep session that I'd planned for the for during the week which will mean that um, I'm probably actually going to come back to the threshold session before I do my next rep one so there'll be probably two threshold sessions within about seven or eight days which is fine still lots of recovery in in between so I'm not sure whether I should ask you this question mm-hmm. yet but I'm going to anyway so you've done the tempo we've got the 5k coming up where's your head at prediction wise time wise probably at about the same place what it was the last time you asked me that so I, think, <laughs> I was maybe hoping you would gain some confidence from this tempo but uh, uh well uh, yeah look I, I don't know I think given the build-up I think a, a mid-19 would be probably a really good result yeah. for me 5k and look I'd, I'd be happy if I break 20 minutes like I, I think that'd be still a good effort given the build-up and now I've got some extra complications of trying to work my way around a couple of interview processes and got a trip to Tasmania for a networking event which is again related to getting myself back into the back into the game in the in the higher ed game so 
for the for the actual race itself, I'm, I'll be flying in from Tasmania on the day mid afternoon sometime. So after having spent a couple of days off at a off at a, uh, a conference, so so I don't know if it's uh, describe it as the most ide- ideal build up. No, so, but I'm so- describing it as a level playing field because <laughs> I will be flying in on the day from Sydney. <laughs> After being up at 5am, getting children off to daycare yeah, and trying to board a plane all before 8am. Yeah, look, you're probably right. And, and look, you know, in terms of managing the headspace around that, it's in a way it actually make, makes me feel a bit more relaxed about it because I'm just like, oh, I can't afford to take this too seriously. I've got other more important things in life going on at the moment, like getting a job, um, which sort of have to take priority. So whether or not do some sort of stunning result for me at least um, in this 5k race it's kind of neither here nor there but I'm still going to go there and try and equip myself well Mm, very good all right so you're marking yourself down as uh let's call it 1950 shall we yeah I don't know yeah who knows it could be could be anywhere between 1930 and 20 minutes oh very good all right well, well I'll pencil you in for that Sounds good. So it's now become a um, a regular thing that Lisa's counselling session about, about your various health woes. Uh, I know. It tell me what's is. going on with that. I know. I need to get myself into a comfortable position, lie back and feel like I'm in therapy. Right. But... Get, get on the couch. Yep. <laughs> oh, we might rename this segment actually Lisa on the couch. So okay. um, anyway, well, it has been, as I, I sort of said at the kickoff, the show is that it's been quite frustrating and I still find myself in the land of limbo and you know you put it perfectly just before of controlling runners needing to be able to control everything and this whole situation has me really out of control and very much out of my comfort zone so anyway I had to go and do the stress test at the cardiologist and that was on Monday morning And I had said to you last week that I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Like I wasn't convinced that it was going to get the results that I didn't think it was going to put me in the situation where I was actually going to get the spikes that I'd been feeling. But you know, when you try to become or remain optimistic about things, I was trying to remain optimistic. So anyway, I went and did it. And the the test that I did, it was called the Bruce Protocol. And it was named after uh, Dr. Robert Bruce, who apparently is the father of sports physiology. (laughs) I wasn't aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) I was was thinking Robert the Bruce, the famous Scottish king, when you told me. No. So, and I know all of this because I'll just just let the listeners know sort of, you know, what happens on, on the day. So, I turned up and I was first first came off the rank 9am and you turn up in your sportswear but you have to uh, you're allowed to keep you, your shorts and your runners on but because they're obviously needing to monitor your heart you don't have anything on up top so for men that's obviously not really much of an issue for women it can be to be honest a little bit confronting and intimidating but yeah I can imagine so you know so you sort of need to move past that you have about 10 or so I guess little sticky dots and then uh, on those are uh, little cords that are clipped onto it and then there's like this box that is then attached how many, to you. How many people are kind of standing around observing yeah, your so there's... state of relative <laughs> undress? Like, not, hopefully not like a you know a bunch of medical students with clipboards hanging around. No, <laughs> so there was two. Um, right, okay. And look, I will say that I'm not particularly much of a prude and I've had so many surgeries that like that type of thing doesn't 
phase me but it still is a little bit you know it's not the most comfortable sort of situation to be placed in and the room itself and I actually did put a quick snapshot up in our social um, our Instagram stories Uh, so the the treadmill is just in this tiny little room it would be you know like two meters by two meters this room obviously you're in closed doors the curtains are all shut there is no air conditioning so it Mm. is just dead still you've got all of the monitors around you you're clipped onto this little box and then you start the procedure so actually i had an ultrasound first they, they check out your heart and the mechanics and everything and then you jump onto the treadmill. So the test itself goes for 21 minutes and every three minutes the speed and the incline of the treadmill increase. And I wasn't at the time aware of what pace that these go at, but then on the wall in front of me was basically the, the statistics of the incline and then the speed that it goes at. And I was doing some calculations in my head, very rough ones, and I just thought, this is nowhere near the pace that is going to get me remotely stressed. And I actually did bring that up with the two ladies who were administering the test. And I said to them, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this type of stress reaction when I'm running between sort of three minutes, 20 and three minutes, 40 kilometers per hour pace. I'm not sure what that is in miles, but, you know, at a prolonged period of time. So I'm needing to run sort of between 10 and 15 minutes before I'm, I'm really starting to see that spike. And, they didn't really acknowledge that comment. They just sort of said, mm-hmm. well, you know, the, the treadmill incline, so it becomes mm-hmm. quite steep. And they said, oh, look, and not many people really reach the, the final stage, stage seven. I, I remember that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so me trying to be quite optimistic, I just thought, all right, fair enough. You know, they're the experts. Um, you know, we're looking for a particular result here. So, like, let's let's get going. Let's see how we go. So we start and you walk and then stage two and you walk and stage three and you walk and stage four and you walk. And it got to 12 minutes and I thought, this is crazy. Like this is never going to get the result that I need. So I started to jog and they said, no, 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 you need to keep walking at this stage. And again, I said, well, this is not replicating the environment that um, I'm being stressed and I can see my heart rate wasn't even at 100 beats per minute. And so I started to get really frustrated, which probably wasn't the right, uh, <laughs> the right. Might have got your heart rate up then. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I finally started to run at fifteen minutes, but the incline. Look, the incline is steep, but it's actually quite unnatural so Mm. and then you've got i forgot to mention you've got a robe over you as well which just is flapping around and it's just annoying more than anything and so you're unable to run in your normal running motion so i I couldn't use my arms so i'm held Mm. i'm like i'm holding on to was that was that robe for like preserving your modesty or something i don't know what it was for but it was maybe it was but it was just it was just really i found it quite unnecessary and just distracting Mm. more than anything so by the time i got to level level five by then and i was jogging basically at uh, at 15 minutes i wasn't able to actually run naturally so i wasn't using my arms at all because i'm holding on to this treadmill not to fly off the back of it (laughs) and Again, watching my heart rate and I was thinking, this is this is just not doing anything. And then finally got to the last stage and it was six, uh, six minute, 15 kilometer, minutes per kilometer. Um, and, yeah, it was going up a hill again. But I don't even think I run up hills like at that pace, even when I'm jogging. So my heart rate actually plateaued. It didn't 
get any spike. It was just this nice gradual <laughs> incline. And then the lady just said, oh, nothing's happened. Everything looks fine. And I sort of jumped off. And again, I was just so incredibly frustrated. I was very hot. I will say that I was very mm. hot because you're in this tiny two by two room with all of these monitors on you and no air. <laughs> it was, I was, I was dripping with sweat, but. Um, Good heat acclimatization session. <laughs> yes. And I said to the lady, I said, look, surely I can, like, can I make the treadmill go faster? And she said, no, you can, you can keep running on it if you want to. <laughs> I said, well, this is pointless. Like, there's no point in me running at six minute 15 kilometers. So anyway, I went and saw the cardiologist and he had a, a sort of a look on his face that he knew exactly what I was going to say. And I came out and said it straight away. And I said, that was too easy. It was a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where my frustration really is stemming from because, you know, I wasn't put in a situation that was able to replicate the stress that I had been feeling. I guess if I'm trying to look for a positive out of that, my heart is functioning correctly. Mm-hmm. And he said that it's it's now really just a matter of the electronics. And so I now have to purchase, which I actually did last night, uh, it's a little device called a live core and you can do a sort of home ECG really at any time. So mm-hmm. I need to take this out with me when I'm training. I actually got the Apple Watch band because I do have an Apple Watch. So I'm able to to run, do my sessions. And then when I see the spikes happening, I just quickly put my uh, my finger on and, and record an ECG, which then goes through to the, the cardiologist. So it's, it's still a process and I still really have no answers. And, you know, I, I, un- I definitely understand that there's certain protocols that, you know, medical professionals obviously need to follow. But it's. I find it a really hard thing and this is exactly what I went through when I was first having my heart problems in that when you're, and I'll say abnormally fit, like I'm mm-hmm. not an elite athlete, but I'm definitely a lot fitter than most of the population. You know, a lot of the, the tests that you put through and a lot of the measures that you're measured against are measured against, I guess, averages of, of people who lead relatively sedentary lifestyle or may you know be quite chronically unwell yeah that's right might have a lot of other existing health conditions yeah so it's not a like for like and you know when these spikes started to happen and you sort of said to me this is a concern you should really go and get it seen about I think really just all of the the feelings of how frustrated I was last time and it took over a year for me really to find an answer last time probably started to boil to the surface and I moved into a bit of an avoidance state to really, I guess, avoid this state of frustration that I'm in again. So so what you need to do now is like go to the track and do three by a mile really hard. Yes. <laughs> and that'll well, get your heart rate spiking. I, I asked for express delivery so that I could try and race with the, with the band on Thursday when we're doing our 5K, but yeah. uh, I'm not sure whether it'll arrive by then. I think it's coming from the US. So anyway, so it's still very much... <laughs> no answer. I think what that's doing to me though and mentally is I'm losing a bit of motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm still training and, you know, I, I did 73 Ks last week, which was my yep. biggest week for the year. And, yeah, and so I guess I am really now moving more into this aerobic build and moving into the marathon. But there's a part of me that's feeling a little bit disappointed because 
I didn't think I was going to get onto the track this year. I did get onto the track and being someone who has always had a bit of a track background, I guess I do actually love it. And I think there was a part of me that thought, well, I had this amazing marathon base. You know, I, I was sort of hoping that maybe I could leverage that and and maybe get some sort of, you know, I really wanted to run a PB in the 5K and now I'm just in this state of limbo. So it's sort of that unfinished business frustration mm. trying to move on but i'm not quite ready to move on yeah. <laughs> not have to delay your uh, your 5k ambitions for, for maybe next year or yeah. later in the year perhaps yeah after, perhaps. after you're done with your next marathon campaign yeah yeah look and there's, there's definitely time and so i think that i actually did last night i did a session of 400s and i've been training now literally just to heart rate and my heart rate was uh, pretty much I think it was an average of about 145 so that's completely aerobic for me mm. and you know I started off in about 93 seconds for the 400s and this was off 30 seconds recovery and I got down to 86 so which is know, moving 80, 86 it, is sub 18 5k pace yeah definitely but and I think that's where some of the frustration is is because I can can do the training which you know in theory should actually give me a certain result, but because there's this undiagnosed mm. heart issue, I can't really put it together in a race because that's where I'm really starting to feel these um, these problems. So, so theoretically I'm trying to stay out of the red zone, but um, <laughs> you're, you're, well, you're not being prevented from going in there, but that's a, it's a real danger zone for you in terms of this these heart rate spikes. And obviously in the 5K you're spending predominantly most of the race in the red zone so there's a fair chance that's going to crop up for you and yeah it's concerning from a health perspective but from a, if you look at it just from performance it's obviously going to hold you back yeah exactly and I think that's really what's playing on me mentally as well because then there's this whole well I really want to do well but I know that there's this issue I, I still have a bit of that well it hasn't been diagnosed so am I making it up all these sort of things really just start to plan play on my mental side which you know when, you, when you're going in for any performance it doesn't matter what level it is if it's something that means you know that's important to you I guess you've got to try and be on you know your mental game as well as your physical game so the physical side is is not completely there and then the mental side is starting to fracture a bit too so you know what's going to happen we're going to both turn up not being quite mentally on our game I reckon next week oh well I was thinking for various like, reasons I know so last night I was doing these 400s and I just started to the last sort of three of them I did eight as I said I started to drift off into this why am I doing this 5K? I don't want to do it. It's not going to be enjoyable. And all of this like cloud of negativity started to come in, which, you know, if I just rewind, I think maybe four or five weeks ago when I went to do the New South Wales state champs and I had that unfortunate stomach incident, my headspace was just all positive. I was really prepared. I wanted to race. I was very excited. And then I look at my headspace now and it's definitely not that and I think that's part of the the limbo and the frustration as well is that you really need to be on your game so you know what you need to do don't you you, you just need to treat this 5k as a as a threshold session so oh, you, you should actually run to heart rate during the race yeah no I I think that's pretty much what I'm gonna have to do um just to try and have a positive experience and uh still come out of it without being flat on the ground so some of the numbers you've been reporting like there's a good chance you could threshold that and run 19 minutes I reckon <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, well, look, I would I would hope so. I actually did another um, really fun session on Tuesday. I did four by five minutes, and again, I was wanting to stay under 150 beats mm. per minute, and I ended up actually travelling. 1300 meters in all those five minutes and that's an Mm. average of 355 per kilometer so at a 150 heart rate average 355 i'll take that that's uh that's a 1925 i think yeah it's good going anyway so overall summary is lisa is frustrated and i still have no answer but we're now waiting for my new uh, alive core band to turn up for the next phase of investigation i'm looking forward to finding out what it tells you and your cardiologist Mm. get to the bottom of it and Get your little ticker rewired so you can so you can trash me trash my five k PB later in the year or next year. Oh, look, it's still on the cards, and I'm sort of formulating a bit of a plan in my head, which is Gold Coast Marathon, bit of a break, back on the track, and then possibly Tokyo Marathon in March next year. So, mm. just laying some plans at the moment. So, watch this space. Lisa will be back. Yeah, Lisa will be back with a vengeance. I have a question for you. So, would you think? that if you commenced a strength training program, that that would actually make you heavier? I can actually answer this, but only because of what I've seen. If I actually have put on weight. Oh, that's not the right answer. <laughs> no, I know, but but I, 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 I preface that with I'm, I've really leaned up, so my lean muscle mass is obviously heavier than I, w- I was obviously carrying a little bit of fat when I was doing that marathon training. So maybe okay. the answer that you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually we can we can segue. Let's just come back to that and let's just pause the fact that you are now slightly heavier, but you're reporting all of this amazing training aside from your heart issue. Might just come back to that, but just wanted to report on report on what the incredible shrinking Brian. So. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we've come from different baselines. So I, we have, I, yeah. say I was only 53 kilos when I was doing a lot of that marathon training, but I wasn't strong. I wasn't really, I was only doing my sort of one gym session a week. Whereas now I'm 55 kilos. I can, I can actually see my muscles in the mirror, which from a vanity perspective, I'm a little bit excited <laughs> by that. But I just want to say the way that my clothes are feeling, my clothes are actually falling off me. Yes, yes. Because as I said, like I'm I'm so much more toned, it's amazing. So, you know, I was probably a bit light on doing that marathon mm. work. But uh, unlike the incredible shrinking Brian. Yes, who probably during the Melbourne Marathon last year, I reckon I would have weighed about 74, 75 kilo. And then I had a bit of a blowout. Around Christmas time, where I wasn't doing much running, I actually got up to about 77. And I'm now, after doing a little over two months of strength training, down to about 72. So I'm quite a bit lighter than when I ran the marathon, which was off the back of like, you know, running 80Ks a week. And now I'm significantly lighter than that, but a lot stronger. Like I can quarter squat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hundred and hundred hundred and ten kilos. So uh, I'm a lot stronger than when I started my my quarter squatting campaign. But um, so yeah, How your clothes feel as well. Well, a lot a lot looser, and I, I'd sort of been listening to some of Dr. Phil Maffetone's commentary about checking your waist measurements in particular and making sure that your waist and I'm. 
taking that at around the level of my my belly button so mm-hmm. getting getting the uh, the Brian belly that is if you doubled your your waist that shouldn't be more than your height so when i when i was about 77 and i measured it and i haven't got the number exactly in front of me but i was getting starting to get borderline of well hey if i double that that's nearly that's nearly what nearly what my height is. So I'm thinking, oh, that's not very good. Uh-oh. I'm obviously carrying a bit of <laughs> a bit of excess, a little bit of junk in the trunk. <laughs> it's unnecessary. So it's kind of been good to be doing this strength training program, and you know, made a couple of other little lifestyle tweaks. But I, I would say probably put it down largely to to the strength training. Yeah, like you, I put on a lot of I think lean muscle mass um, but at the same time yeah getting back into these job interviews in the last week being able to slip back into some some pants that uh, I couldn't fit into before is is you know that's probably actually a better measurement I guess than than what you actually weigh oh I think it's a much better measurement and you know speaking from you know a female's perspective is that you know, that the number on the scale can be quite deceptive. And like I said, you know, weighing 53 kilos going into the marathon, but my clothes were probably getting a bit snugger than they normally had because I was consuming absolute rubbish. And especially Mm. at the end when I had sort of dropped off a little bit of the training because I was injured, but I kept eating like I was still doing 80 kilometre weeks versus, you know, now being two kilos heavier, I honestly feel amazing. I feel light, I feel lean and I feel strong. This is good. And look, and given you said the thing about you're slightly heavier but I think for me that brings up the point, and and I actually like talking about weight in terms of running because runners obsess about their weight, and they only think about how much they weigh in terms of you know being at a particular weight so that they can perform at a particular level. And you know maybe one stage during your your life you weighed X amount and you ran well, so then that gets emblazoned into your brain, and all you can think about is you have to be that weight before you can run that well again. And I think it's a really vicious and potentially dangerous cycle to get into and you know you're much better to rely on what you can do in training in terms of and also in racing rather than thinking about I need to be a particular weight to be able to perform at a particular level and look how well like aside from your heart spikes look how well you're going at the moment you're running super fast yeah 19 minute 5k pace and you're not even getting up to your threshold your threshold heart rate so no, what, does, what does that tell you? It tells, tells me that you're more powerful, you're more economical, you can, you can do more than what you could before with less, even though you, you're a couple of kilos heavier. So don't worry too much about what you weigh. It's what you can do. And I think also to that point is I don't feel heavier. So mm-hmm. the scale's telling me that I am, but I feel better than I did when I was doing all that marathon training and being two kilos lighter. So I actually feel like I'm lighter across the ground um, and because I've got that strength now, you know, um, cadence is, is, is better, um, I've got a lot more power. So it's a lot of positives. Yeah, definitely. So look, I just think it's really important not to overly obsess about about what you weigh. Just keep thinking, what what can I do? And, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're coaching other athletes, Never ever ask them 
what what their weight is like that's just like a red flag don't go there just think mm. of, think about what they're doing on the training training track that's all the kind of measuring that you really need to do in terms of kind of running performance um, and look if you were like me and you're carrying a little bit of extra lead in the saddlebags that you could use in terms of just being being a little bit flabbier than what you wanted to be which is certainly the case for me the strength training option is definitely a good one because from past experience, like I'm a person who if I don't exercise and look after my eating and other lifestyle factors, I will tend to gain weight. And in the early stage of my professional career after finishing university, I, th- I think I got up to about 93 kilograms. Oh, my God, that's massive. Yeah, which is, you know, that's 20 kilos more than I am at the moment. And the thing, you know, I managed to lose about 10 of that by doing a lot of cardio and some kind of, you know, attention to eating plan, but it really kind of started to strip off me again when I really got serious about my, my strength training. So it's definitely a, a thing that can be used to sort of manage your body composition i guess rather than thinking about it in terms of terms of your absolute weight Mm. strength training not necessarily something that will make you heavier and even if it does you're probably going to be running faster anyway so what's not to like what else do we need to talk about 5k 3k warm-up ah yes so yeah we're we're heading off to this this race next week tell me about your warm-up protocol lisa what's that going to be well, last year we touched on, you know, how do you warm up for a marathon? And, you know, we basically said that you don't necessarily need to. You use the race itself for the first few Ks as the warm up, maybe just do a couple of glute activation exercises. But like a 3K and 5K is a completely different beast. And, you know, I highly recommend do not just going from car to start line without any warm up in between. So for me personally, I like to do about a three or a four K jog warm up. Sometimes I'll start off pretty slowly, like I usually do, and then sort of towards the the final K with that warm up, be running a bit quicker. And then I like to do some drills and some activation exercises, and then I follow that by doing some strides. And usually when I'm warming up in training, I'll do five by 100 meter strides I don't necessarily always do that before a 5k or a 3k I sometimes find that it tires me out Mm. a little bit doing that many so I often like to do the first one just sort of easing into it getting that cadence up a bit and then I might do another two and I often time these strides as well and the reason why I do that is I like to see what pace it is that I've done that stride in and then mentally I can work out well that actually was a lot faster than what I'm going to be doing in this race so I feel like it's a quite a nice mental cue to sort of shock my body into running quicker but knowing that for the actual race I'm not going to be running quite that quick and if it's a bit of a performance race I might actually do one extra stride where it's a 150 or a 200 and I try and settle into that pace that I want to actually run that 3k or that 5k at so I often probably the whole warm-up itself will only take about 30 minutes Mm -hmm. I tend not to string out the warm-up I like to sort of get in there do it and then pretty much be ready to go on that start line so that the blood's still flowing and I'm still feeling quite warm and bouncy as opposed to say you know like a marathon where you're standing around a lot Mm. 
on the start line. I definitely have a very distinct and different approach to these shorter distances. Mm. Your warm up sounds. Yeah, I was going to say your warm up sounds exhausting. I don't think I'm fit <laughs> enough to complete your warm up right now. Look, I, I've probably got actually interesting about this. I hadn't actually thought too much about the pace of your strides that you might do before the race before. And yeah, you often see a lot of people doing strides at significantly faster than race pace. And I sometimes wonder whether that leads them into setting off at faster than what they should and blowing up, but. I think, you know, the strategy that you said that you employed about doing a longer stride where you try and settle into the actual goal race pace might sort of get you locked into into the right tempo so you don't sort of shoot off too fast. Mm. But like you, I've in the past experimented with longer, longer warm-ups and I would say this with a caveat of probably if you're going to embark upon a longer warm-up, you do need to be in pretty good physical shape because there probably is a risk that you might arrive at the the start line slightly um, slightly exhausted and you don't want to have spent all your pennies before your 5K race. So I was following when I was running those faster 5Ks a warm-up protocol again from the Daniels running formula and I can't remember the exact composition of it but it was period of easy running so whether it be sort of 10 or 15 minutes of jogging but followed by maybe like a five to ten, might be a five-minute or so acceleration up to your kind of your threshold pace. So it wasn't actually up to your 5K race pace. It was probably more like sort of 15-kilometre race pace for me at that stage. And then, yeah, a couple of strides towards the end. So that would, that would, that would work quite well. But, you know, remember my 3K time trial, like I jumped on the track and I, I jogged a lap, did two 50-metre strides and then just set off. I would say that I had, you know, done about 30 to 40 minutes of dog walking before that. So my body wasn't completely cold. I would never recommend that you just go straight from jump straight out of bed, straight out of the car, straight to the start line. That's definitely not a good idea. So if you've done a gentler way to do it, maybe and if you're not at the looking to go super flat out, having a good long walk walk to warm up beforehand and doing a little bit of jogging and a couple of strides, that, that's probably going to be quite acceptable as well. You're trying to run about 25 to 30 minutes for 5K. I reckon that would be a perfectly acceptable kind of kind of warm-up. So, yeah, probably pros and cons of doing it different ways. But I think the one, one thing to note is, you know, what you mentioned, you like to finish your warm-up and be ready to go. Like there's a lot of times when the race will be running late or something goes wrong and you'll find yourself – either having to warm up again or or arriving at the start line and, yeah, they go, oh, come back in like 20 minutes and what do you do then? So you need to also be flexible and, you know, I suppose my example of like doing the walking and a few strides, you can still sort of get on and do a good performance even if you don't have a completely optimal warm-up. And, look, that has happened to me more times than I wish that it had and, and I'm talking mainly around the, the track races mm. and so when that happens I will often just, jog up and down a little bit still walk and then when it's when we're sort of being notified that hey we are going to be in the next couple of minutes I'll just do usually just one stride but not the full 100 meters it might only be 40 meters really just to say hey legs wake up it's time to go yeah and look it's more of an issue if it's really cold or really hot for your warm-up going wrong because yeah if it's cold obviously you can cool down and then you're probably at risk of pulling a muscle if you jump straight into a a race pace particularly if you're looking for a faster race pace and yeah obviously if it's quite hot you know you've got to 
keep an eye on your a just overheating and being out in the sun for too long yeah keeping an eye on your hydration and other things like that so it's easier when it's temperate conditions probably a little bit more problematic when it's either really hot or really cold but you know even even at the pointy end you hear all these stories about people going to major championships and elite level races and they try and do they do their warm-up and then they'll be stuck in like a little call room and you know not able to run around much there so and they're still able to go out there and run a ridiculous pace even off like having this kind of period where it might be 10 or 15 minutes of just sitting around so standing around yeah but one place I guess that does run very much on time is park run and I know a lot of our listeners are avid park runners which is the 5k distance and you know having done a few you know there's obviously people who are there they're simply there for the social side of it and then they're not fuss too much about the time that they record but you know there's certainly a a lot of people that are out there trying to break their own personal bests and you know even though you're at a park run and you're not at the olympic games i still recommend doing a little bit of a a warm-up it might only be a five minute jog then just do some stretches a couple of activations and then Mm. maybe a stride and maybe don't stretch (laughs) (laughs) well brian doesn't like the stretching i like it just to warm up the body a little bit but you know you you really will find that difference from you know when that gun goes you're actually your body's warm and and ready to respond to that pace that you're going to put it you know under I think if you're going to have a, a bit of a crack, even if it's, you know, if you're looking for, you know, a 25 or a 30 minute result and if that's your best time, at least, as you said, five or 10 minutes of jogging around would be a good thing to do and maybe a couple of muscle ac- activations. I'm not a huge fan of static stretching, especially before exercise. I think that can be potentially injurious and might slow you down. You're kind of better off to go into it by doing a few exercises, a few body weight squats or something like that. that that's probably more of an active warm-up mm. to get you going. Yeah. But yeah, lots of different ways to do it and yeah. probably does depend a bit on the circumstances and how fast you're intending to run. It's good to something to think about, whatever it is that your level is. Yeah, and and try it as well. I mean, look, there, I've done all sorts of different types of warm-ups before for races until you finally get a little formula that works for you. So uh, don't just um, be set in stone, but, for, you know, for these five 3K, 5K distance, I highly recommend please don't go from car to no, don't do car, that. car to start line. Well, it does remind me, I can't remember where I read this, but it was, oh, I was in a book sometime, but it was something to the extent of, you know, we probably spend too much obsessing about trying to devise the perfect warm-up and the example used was if you throw a bucket of water on a cat, <laughs> the cat will just leap up and start sprinting off. It it doesn't warm up, it just goes, right? So um, to some extent, you know, the warm-up is important but um, it's probably goes into the category of things to, to not maybe obsess about too much. Yeah. Okay, actually, I will admit quite a few years ago I was driving after work to go and do a 3K track race and I was new to Sydney at the time and uh, there's a, a couple of freeways that are quite chaotic, one called the M5 and I knew nothing about it. And I uh, got onto this freeway and basically didn't go anywhere for about two or three hours <laughs> and turned up to the race and the girls were putting their numbers on and were on the start line. So I I actually did do a car to start line that day and I can say that it was not my best performance. <laughs> And to the point where I was sort of running on adrenaline for like the first K and then it just all slowly went pear-shaped mm. after that. <laughs> so I have done it, but I don't recommend it. No. Anyway, so let's talk about what's next for you in the yeah. lead up to this race next week. What are you, you going to do before the race, Lisa? Yeah, look, um, 
still pretty much just training to my heart rate. Not a not a great deal. I'm actually going out tonight to watch the 1500-metre races at the New South Wales State Champs. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, my husband's actually running the did his first 1500 last week and freak uh, from he ran four minutes 29 off <laughs> super fast never having done one before so uh, I'll go out there and cheer both the the men and the women on I've uh, actually one of my favorite races of 1500 so I'm looking yeah. forward to that but me personally I'm actually just doing some easy running between now and next Thursday I might do maybe a small little tempo of some sort on the Tuesday of maybe like 1600 meters or something or a fartlek but not a great deal and then we fly in on the Thursday morning so I've really been thinking about what I want to get out of this race and yeah it's more of a I think a bit of a training effort now so I think I said to myself I would be ecstatic if I saw a time that had an 18 at the front mm-hmm. but we'll just have to wait and see. I think as as we were talking about if you tempo it and then kick it home there's a good chance that that'll happen. Mm. That's sort of the plan and uh, yeah we'll, we'll see how we go next Thursday is, is D-Day so mm-hmm. uh, what about you? Well I'm going to jump into another threshold session over the weekend and that is probably going I might even try and do like a 3k threshold and then follow it on maybe with with some 800s or something like that and then I'm toying with the idea of doing a small rep session maybe on Tuesday but that's probably unlikely to happen because I'm just a bit wary about that being a bit close to to Thursday as mentioned, I did miss my uh, my rep session with, where I was hoping to go to the track and just get the feel of running a particular pace. Um, <laughs> so it's not in my plan. So it may be that I end up turning up on Thursday without having stepped onto the track since I did my 3K time trial, actually. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. So probably a threshold on Sunday and then some easy running up until the race on Thursday. Mm, oh, very good. Well, um, maybe people can send in some predicted times for us. Uh, we'll, see, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how close that we can get to some of them. But nah, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good to be racing head to head, although not officially in the same actual race. I'll obviously no. be with females and you with the males. But nevertheless, it will be a, a great event and no doubt will be very well supported down um, by all the Victorian runners. It will. It will. I reckon that's a wrap, Lisa. We'll uh, be facing off, as you mentioned, next week at the Melbourne Uni track. Yeah, very good. See you there. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin.